Welcome back, family. I'm Dewan Green. I'm Adrika Green. And we're, we're Team, team green, green, and this is The Greenhouse. Yes. Yeah, we take that very seriously, because we're not in the business today. We're mixing and mingling so much with the world. Yeah. We're spending time to cultivate the word, you know? So you got to be very careful and on guard about the house that you're fortifying, right? Mm -hmm. On the word of God. It reminds me a lot <laughs> of going through a lot of grass that I used to cut through in people's yards, right? Mm -hmm. I used to cursed out. Man, get off my grass. What you doing, boy? Like, <laughs> you thought they'd be me. Yeah, well, they, they handled me kind of rough. Yeah. But at the same time, I, I know now what the, the issue of concern was. Mm -hmm. You know, I had the potential to track a lot of things from one grass to the next in their grass. Now, for those who don't know, you know when animals defecate mm -hmm. in the grass because of the ammonia, whatever, the chemical reaction, it can actually kill the grass. Mm -hmm. And so they were doing their job by protecting their grass. Delaware Greenhouse, right? So, it's a lot to be said about that. All right, last episode, we talked about the wheat and the tank, which mm -hmm. is the weed, right? And where to sow your seed. You know, the Bible talks so much in the parable of the wheat and the uh, Very, Be very mindful of what you sow, mm -hmm. where you're sowing, and what you expect to reap. Um, this lesson is entitled, Nothing New Under the Sun. Mm -hmm. It's a lot to unpack. Oh. Therefore, <laughs> it's going to be in two parts. All right. Mm -hmm. Nothing new in the sun. When you think about that, it sounds like a cliche, right? Because we use it a lot. Mm -hmm. Ah, but actuality comes from the word of God. It sure does. It actually comes from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter one, verse nine. And the word says, the thing that hath been, it is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. Plainly put, it is what it is. You would like to say that a lot. But it really truly is. You know, what it's going to be is going to be because God says so. There's nothing new under the S-U-N. Because that's a creation of God, right? Nothing new under the sun in that regard, S-U-N. But man, let me tell you, everything's anew under the S-O-N. Jesus, a new heaven, a new earth, a new Jerusalem. We're a new creature. Eyes haven't seen, ears, you get what I'm saying? Everything's anew. So that's the contrast in that. Uh, the book of Ecclesiastes actually explores uh, what is the meaning of life. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, it actually poses that again and again and again. You know, life can be like vapor or smoke, mm -hmm. like an illusion. You think you can grab and control it, but as soon as you, nothing. And worse than that, it can actually smother you. Yeah. It's clouds of judgment. Uh, so what is the meaning of life? Good deeds, riches, right? Power, empire building. You know, we have a kingdom. That's the kingdom of, of, of Jesus, right? So empire building instead of kingdom building, mm, that ain't the Trust me. You know, so what is it all worth? What does it all mean? This thing called life. You know what I mean? Uh, you're born, then you die. But that little in the middle. What does that mean? At the end of, uh, well, actually, in chapter three, uh, it talks about all those things that we actually do, try to do to kind of fill ourselves with what the meaning of life is. And everything, it's a season for everything. Yeah, it really truly is. And, and chapter three actually speaks on that. Uh, let's see what it says. Chapter three, verses one through three. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. Mm. A time to be born and a time to die. Mm -hmm. A time to plant mm -hmm. and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. Time and place for everything. Season for everything. Reminds me of an old song by Kenny Rogers. Yeah. <laughs> I know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, what, what, know when to run. You, I, yeah, I would get carried away, sorry. I actually like that song. Yeah, because there's a lot of, it speaks of, of, yeah. of volumes to a lot. There's a lot of nuggets in it. It really truly is. And so, but what does it all truly mean? Mm -hmm. 
in the end of Ecclesiastes, at the end of the book, it actually sums it up. Oh, let's go there. Yeah. Ecclesiastes so, yeah. uh, chapter 12. Chapter 12, the last book of Ecclesiastes, verses 13 and 14. The last chapter, chapter 12, verses 13 and 14, it says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. So God is the approval, the final approval of it all. You want to know how your paper is going to be graded, you talk to the teacher. right? So God's judgment is coming, but guess who's bringing the judgment? His son, Jesus. right? So it's very important that we follow Jesus. right? So this form of godliness, but no God, that ain't the way. Okay, let's take a look at 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, we're actually going to look at chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. And the word says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, Truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. Turn away. So God is warning you yet again, a form of godliness, but denying the power where it comes from. See, this perverted power by Lucifer will get you caught up. Yeah. It really will. Blow your mind. Signs and wonders. Riches and so forth. It's glory. Nah, in this world. Nah. See, that's Lucifer's plan. To bait you away from God's plan. What's God's plan? Look at the Garden of Eden. We walk with God. We talk with God. We're in the presence of God. But because Adam failed, the first Adam, sin was brought into the world. He sent his only begotten son, Jesus, the second and last Adam, to get the plan back on track through redemption. And so we have God's plan and we have Lucifer's plan. You know, let's look at that just a little bit more through the chapter of Matthew 25. Okay. Um, Matthew chapter 25. We're looking at, actually, I'm going to read verses 31 through 34. The word says, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divided his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Hmm. Just like the wheat and the tear. Here we go with sheep and the goat. I mean, being a good shepherd that Christ is, I mean, he's going to separate us from the wicked one and the seed of the wicked one. He's going to put us, we talk about end times, mind you, into the world, right? He's going to see us just like he's seated on the right hand of the Father in heaven. Jesus is on the right hand of God. That's his seat of power, right? And guess what? We're his bride, the church, right? He's the bridegroom. So he's coming to get us, and guess where he's going to place us? On his right hand. So we're going to reign in the kingdom of Jesus along with him. Mm -hmm. It just makes all the sense in the world. It's just so powerful. And it's really, man, it resonates within my spirit. It makes me feel good because the way to that is to follow King Jesus, so we can partake in the kingdom, which is God's everything, but in the kingdom of Jesus. Amen. So we will be separated. So choose wisely whom you serve. You know what I mean? Because there's coming a time when God is going to separate us from the from the wicked one in this day. All right. So we're going to get real deep into this lesson, right? But before we do that, uh, I want to have my wife introduce her segment, Fit for Christ. Yes, it's finally here. Mm -hmm. I want to present to you all the very first episode of our Fit for Christ segment, and I hope you enjoy. All right. 
And following that, stay with us because we're going to dive into the Word. And we're going to see <laughs> some things that's going to probably blow your mind. Oh, yes. All right. Hello and welcome to the first episode of our Fit for Christ segment. I am your host, Edwitha Green. Now I know you were probably expecting to find me in my workout attire, ready to take you all through a workout. Well, that's going to happen, but on a later episode. Today I want to focus on the importance of good health. Now when I say good health, I'm not just referring to the physical aspect. I'm referring to physical, mental, and spiritual health, as they all work hand in hand to create an overall well-being. Many of you may follow me on social media, and those that know me personally know that health awareness is near and dear to my heart. I try to use my own personal health journey or fitness journey, along with the knowledge that I have in the area of health and fitness, to help others create a conscience for healthy living, to encourage you all to live a healthier lifestyle. So I want to start this lesson today by focusing on the importance of good health, but from a biblical aspect. That's right, straight out of God's Word. So let's head back to the greenhouse and get into the Word and see what it says about good health, because there's nothing new under the sun. So let's see what the Word says. See you there. Okay, let's dive into the word. Today's topic is we are a living sacrifice. So follow me to Romans chapter 12, verse one. In this verse, the apostle Paul is speaking and it says, I beseech you therefore brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, for those of us that are in the body of Christ, we know that Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice through death, but he desires that we give ourselves as a living sacrifice, giving ourselves completely to the Lord as an instrument of righteousness. We often hear the saying, my body, my choice, well, that's true to a certain extent. So let's keep reading. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. And it says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And as the scripture says, and it clearly states, we were bought with a price. We are not our own, our own. We were bought with the ultimate sacrifice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He died so that we could live, but he rose again. And when he rose, he had all power in his hand. He loved us so much that he gave us a portion of that power, a precious gift, and that gift is the Holy Spirit. It lives within us, and it should rest, rule, and abide within us. For our bodies are not just our bodies, it's a temple of the Holy Spirit. That's why it's so imperative, it's so very important that we honor our bodies and we take care of this temple which is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now let's continue. Follow me now to Romans chapter six, verses 12 and 13. And it says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. While we choose this Christian walk, or as I prefer to say, Christian walk, because Christ is the example that we should be following. It's so very vital that we keep our minds on Jesus. We have to constantly ask ourselves, would God 
Our Heavenly Father, would he be pleased with our actions, our thoughts, our conversations, and even our feelings? I mean, God knows everything about us, and I'm just thankful that he's such a forgiving God. He gives us so many chances, so many chances to turn away from sin and to commit ourselves completely to him. Our desire should be to want what God wants for us. We aren't perfect. No one is. We're far from that. For Jesus Christ is the only perfect being that walked this earth. But as I said before, he is the example that we should follow. So don't try to please the world. Don't try to please the flesh, but focus on pleasing God. Okay, let's keep reading. Follow me now to Romans chapter 8, verses 11 through 13. And it reads, But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Now the Bible tells us time and time again, and we also read this in 1 Corinthians earlier, where it tells us that our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. So when we're out here living what we think is our best life in the world, we find ourselves in certain places, around certain people, doing certain things, and we kind of get a sense of uncertainty, kind of feel out of place, feel a little guilty, yeah, kind of disappointed in yourself. Well, that's just, that's not just a feeling, it's actually the Holy Spirit, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It's reminded us that we can't live to please the flesh. For as the scripture said, if we live to please the flesh, it will only result in death. The Holy Spirit was placed within us by God through Jesus Christ. It was placed in us to guide us, to help us down the right path. And that's the path to righteousness, the road to righteousness. And it's a road to an eternal life in the kingdom of God. Follow me now to 3 John 2nd verse, and it reads, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health, even as thy soul prospereth. You see, God wants us to prosper in life, but not at the cost of our souls to the wicked one. We must not sell our souls to the devil just to be what the world considers successful, I'll pass. What God desires is that we stay healthy and prosper. As the word says, as our souls also prosper. That's why it's so important that we keep our minds, our bodies, and our spirits on one accord and pleasing to him always. We must stay fit for Christ. Now, as many of you know, I am a U.S. Army veteran. As a soldier in the Army, we were required to take the Army Physical Fitness Test. Now, this was designed to test our muscular strength, endurance, and our cardiovascular fitness. Now, in addition to physical fitness training, we were also trained in the area of our skill set or our respective jobs, as well as weaponry training. Now, all of these elements were required for us to perform up to Army standards in order for us to be mission ready or fit for duty. Now, the same thing applies to us as Christians. As Christians, we are also in an Army, and that's the Army of the Lord. In the Army of the Lord, it is so very important, even more so important, that we train ourselves, that we keep ourselves mission ready. In order to do that, we must train ourselves daily in our mind through reading, studying, and meditating on the Word of God. We must train our bodies daily 
through proper exercise and proper nutrition. And we must also train our spirits and improve upon it daily. And that's through praise and worship to our Lord and Savior, through prayer and supplication. All of these elements are so very important to stay in a, a posture to serve God in excellence, to be mission ready, fit for duty, fit for Christ. I like to leave you with an acronym for the eight great principles of good health that God has given us to live by. New Start. The N is for nutrition. In the beginning, God created man to eat fruit and grains. And we'll talk more about this in next week's episode. Good nutrition is an important part of leading a healthy lifestyle. Combined with physical activity, your diet can help you to reach and maintain a healthy weight, reduce your risk of chronic diseases, and promote your overall health. Using nutrition to remedy and prevent sickness and disease is much better than taking medications for the rest of your life. Let's eat to live. We must be mindful of the foods that we eat, for proper nutrition is vital. 1 Corinthians 10.31 Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. E is for exercise. How are we going to run after our children or grandchildren, have energy to make it to games and events to support our loved ones, enjoy family vacations, or simply be able to walk from one room to the next without running out of breath if we aren't physically fit? God intended for us to have and live a full life, but that's pretty difficult if we can't even get out of the bed in the morning. In order to perform well, not only must we fuel our bodies with proper nutrients, we must also strengthen our bodies with proper exercise. 1 Timothy 4, 8 For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. W is for water. Water makes up more than two-thirds of human body weight. It is a vital nutrient for the human body and a necessity for human life. The human body can last weeks without food, but only days without water. Because our body loses water through breathing, sweating, and digestion, it's important to rehydrate by drinking fluids and eating foods that contain water. John 4 and 14 But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. As the physical water is vital for human life, Jesus Christ is the living water. He gives and sustains our life. S is for sunlight. Don't shun the sun, but soak up a few rays safely to reap some excellent benefits for your health. Exposure to sunlight during the day is crucial to your well-being. It's a natural energy source. The sun provides us with vitamin D, which helps protect against inflammation, lowers high blood pressure, helps muscles, improves brain function, just to name a few. Sunlight also has a huge impact on depression, quality of sleep, and can even increase weight loss because people tend to be more active when the sun's shining bright. Without the sun, the earth would be dark and cold and life would quickly disappear. Just as the sun is critical to physical life on earth, Jesus Christ, the sun, S-O-N, is critical for all life. Isaiah 45, 6 That they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is none else. T is for temperance. Temperance means to have moderation and restraint. 
We should avoid all things that are harmful to us and be moderate in the use of things that are good. 1 Corinthians 9 and 25 And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. A is for air. Genesis 2, 7 says, And the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living soul. Ezekiel 37, 5 Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. It's clear that God is indeed the breath of life. Maintaining a good quality air source on earth is also vital to life, as without it we would not survive. So please avoid things that pollute your air source, like smoking. The scripture also likens air or wind to the Holy Spirit in John 3 and 8. It says, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. R is for rest. Sleep helps keep your mind and body healthy. We must have a balance, healthy balance in work and rest. Our minds and bodies need proper rest to function at its best. Ecclesiastes 5 and 12 says, The sleep of a laboring man is sweet. And lastly, T stands for trust God. Proverbs 4 verses 20 through 22 says, My son, attend to my words, incline thy ear unto my sayings, for they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. You see, health comes from having obedience to God's commands and putting our trust completely in Him. Hmm. A new start. That helps put a lot of things into perspective. I mean, each morning we wake up, we're given a new opportunity, a present to be in the presence of God. A new start. To be better, to live, to learn and grow in the Lord. We don't know how long we have left in this life. So instead of turning up for the world, try growing up for the glory of God. This Fit for Christ segment is near and dear to my heart. It's the ministry that God has given me to help the people of God create a conscience for healthy living. This is required for us to keep our temples strong and ready for all that God has in store for us. It's imperative that we possess a healthy mind, a healthy body, and a healthy spirit in Jesus' name. So I want to thank you all again for joining me today. This was our first Fit for Christ segment. And I just want you to know that there is so much more in store for this segment. I mean, I know you all see me on social media. You love and like a lot of my food pictures and my vegan recipes and all that good stuff because the greenhouse we do follow a, a plant-based diet uh, so I'm going to share those recipes with you we're going to do a little cooking we're going to do some live workout so that you can work out with me and I can give you some ideas that you yourself can do at home so it's a lot in store so stick with me and we're going to travel this road together and stay fit for Christ together since creation, man has always struggled with wanting more, even being gods, without the most high God, mind you. Let's take a closer look. Yup, back to the garden we go. Genesis chapter 2 verses 8 and 9. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree 
of knowledge of good and evil. Genesis chapter 2 verses 16 and 17 And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eateth thereof thou shalt surely die. Verses 18 through 23 And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help me for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found and help meet for him. Look at the wonderful relationship between God and Adam. God created it. Adam named it including woman, which was formed from the womb of man. Genesis chapter 3 Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Verses 7 through 9. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Uh-oh, y'all done up and done it. And so it begins. Verses 12 through 15. And the man said, The woman who thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. In verses 21 and 22, regardless to their disobedience and sin and failed attempt to cover that up, God completely clothed them with coats of skin. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Verse 24, so he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims, and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Hmm, cherubims. Whoa, what a course of events in the garden. Wow. Yeah. A lot went on in the garden. All right, so let's let's talk about a few things. All right, for one, uh, let's not get twisted. Uh, I hear so much when men do to women, blaming them about what happened in the garden. It clearly says, read the word. Adam was there when Eve had a conversation mm-hmm. with the serpent. The whole time, he, she gave him the fruit. He was with it. So let's just go and kill that right now. And so, and to be honest with you, furthermore, if you read the word, God instructed Adam mm-hmm. not to mess with that tree. He didn't tell Eve. He now, told Adam. Eve wasn't even 
uh, made yet. Nope. She created yet. Matter of fact, when he gave the direction to Adam, it was right after that that he created Eve yeah. from his real, right? And so what Adam should have did, being obedient to God, mm -hmm. he should have been like, hey, God, uh, I got some other ribs. <laughs> that one didn't work out too well. And God probably would have made him another woman from his womb uh, with another rib. But that's not what Adam did. Uh, he, he failed. Uh, he really did. Yeah, he really did. So he was complicit. You know, but if you think about it, they were like kids. You know what I mean? He had created them. Now here's this tree. All right? It's a tree of life and a tree of knowledge of good and evil. I mean, the tree itself, I don't feel it was bad. It's like a tree. Think about a tree, right? It's the knowledge that you can do from things coming from it, right? The knowledge thereof, period. A tree can be for shade. Uh, you can chop it down and you can make a chair to sit on. You can make a table, right? Um, that, those are good things, right? But that same tree, you can form it into a club bah, to murder someone, right? a spear to kill someone, right? Deeper and worse than that, you can get into root cutting. Like potions and whatnot, mixing, yeah. mixing it with other stuff, right? So it's the knowledge of good and evil. And we'll talk about it. But see, that's the thing that God did not want us to know because just like a child, when you weaning them up, mm -hmm. like what, what did our parents tell us? Don't mess with that. The consequences were what? I'm going to bust your tail, right? And, and that was good enough for us because consequences was busting your tail. But as you get older, you know, and it's not about necessarily... An age is a stage of progressing because you get a certain age is one thing, but if you lack certain insights about things, you're going to act accordingly. But if you get at a certain stage, a mentality, an insight or whatever, then you, if people say age appropriate, it's more stage appropriate because you can, you can digest more what a person is telling you, explaining you. It's not like, don't touch that because I said so. Now it's like, you know, if you touch that. So-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. And you have a level of understanding. Mm -hmm. I had no doubt in my mind that God was, that's what he intended for. But want to grow up fast, want to go around God, mm -hmm. um, that's what happened. Because you see it was like a drug. She saw it for, uh, to make her wise. Mm -hmm. It's like somebody turned you on or something. Hey, man, I got that. Oh, man. Look at it, bro. Smell it. Check it out. Check it out, man. I'm telling you, man. It make you do like this. You do it like this. You make you gotta wrap it like this. You gotta do it like this. You gotta burn this. Man, what I take, bam, it make you do like it make you feel like this. See, that's the same thing. That's devil. That's the devil. That's that's that partner turning you on to something. Peer pressure. <laughs> yeah. Not really good for you. No. But he turning you on. And because it blows your mind, it's that first hit. It's that first mm -hmm. feeling that uh, or whatever the case may be, right? Then now you hooked. Because your eyes have been open, you know? And so ain't no going back. And what did God do? See, he placed a cherub. And you saw the description. And read that, what the description of a cherub is. And we'll definitely get into that even more so. But he didn't guard the way of the tree of knowledge. The knowledge was already at. He guarded the way to the tree of, of, of life. So he said that basically, man, if, if they got this knowledge now, then they can live forever and they're getting knowledge from the enemy, Satan, not from me. Oh, that's a problem. And so he shut that down. He cut that out. So there's a lot to be said about that. Furthermore, look at Genesis chapter three, uh, verse 15, when God gives his judgment, you know what I mean? Basically, the penalties of what they did. He talked about the seed of the woman, which is mankind, right? And then... Yeah, the seed of the woman. I'm sorry, the seed of, of yeah, the seed of the woman, which is God's creation, and also the seed of the serpent, both coming by way of the woman. And we'll see that when you look into, huh? You'll further see that throughout the Bible. You know what I mean? And the word of God, and which is Jesus, is going to crush the seed of the serpent. And that's what Christ did by conquering death and, and, and being resurrected and basically living out the book, which is coming back for us, which is ultimately destroying not only the, uh, Satan, but the seed of serpent too, right? And so, and also, you got to look at the perversion of mankind uh, in the way of giants. You know, look in Genesis 6, when they talk about, you know, the giants, you know, the sons of God, which... 
Jesus is the only begotten son of God, but God's creation, his sons, what, what he created, you know what I mean? Those are the angels, right? The fallen angels, which of course came to the earth and they start having babies, offspring, the Nephilim and so forth, there's different names, right? With women. So here's that seed being perverted. You know what I mean? Being impregnated, implanted inside of mankind, coming through a woman, because she saw the daughters and, 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 and they were fair, right? And, and basically had babies with them. That's an abomination. It really, God didn't create that. That's something that God's creation created. And you look now, you see all these different animals and whatnot. You look around and say, oh, God created all it. No, he didn't. See, God created these animals and species, what have you, and he, and he had Adam name them. But everything you see today is not God's creation. It's like a thing creates a thing. Man has a knowledge, so therefore he could create a gun, a table, a car, a house. You know what I mean? That's a creation creating. But that doesn't mean that that's the Father's intentions. Be wise for that. All right? So let's continue with the lesson. Because this whole thing about the seeds, you know, being at war with one another. Struggle. Yeah. God talked about it. And it's going to live out to the very end. Wheat and the tear, sheep and the goat. Which are you and who do you serve? Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep. But Cain was a tiller of the ground. And now the story continues through verse 16. Now both brothers gave an offering to God. Cain gave fruit. Abel, however, gave a blood sacrifice from the sheep of his flock. Cain's offering wasn't respected by God. However, Abel's was. Hmm, it must be something in the blood. Here comes that serpent spirit again, old Satan. Since Cain's offering wasn't respected by God, he had a problem with God. But guess who he took it out on? Cain slew his own brother. Come on now. What had happened when Satan decided you? And when God asked him, where's your brother? This man said, am I my brother's keeper? Hmm, you his slayer. So God cursed Cain and sent him as a fugitive throughout the land. Although he cursed him, he sent him with a mark so he would not be killed. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. Now chapter 25 through 28 in Genesis tells a very important story Esau and Jacob and it says in chapter 25 and the children struggled together within her and she said if it be so why am I thus and she went to inquire of the Lord and the Lord said unto her two nations are in thy womb and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels and the one people shall be stronger than the other people and the elder shall serve the younger and when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. And after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was threescore years old when she bare them. And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. Now stay with us, family, because I assure you, it all factors in. As a matter of fact, let's go to the table and talk about it a little more. All right, the story of Esau and Jacob, uh, that within itself could be an entire lesson in this song. Oh, yeah. It's a lot to be said about it. Please, please read the story of Esau and Jacob in its entirety. It, it, it spans beyond those chapters, but please do. But in reference to the lesson, right? When Rebecca was pregnant, you know, with the twins, Esau and Jacob, 
uh, God came to her. Because she asked, like, why am I so? Like, why am I going through all this? And rumbling and whatnot. He told her. There's two nations fighting inside of you. Plain and simple. And, and true to form, it plays out. You see, Esau was born first, right? Mm -hmm. Jacob, right after, grabbing his heel. But God told her that the older should serve the younger, right? Mm -hmm. So we know when it came to getting the blessing, which normally went to the elder, right? Which would have been Esau. Rebecca remembering what God told her, right? Mm -hmm. So she interceded. One can say she ran game or whatever, but she basically got with Jacob and she ensured that the birthright went to Jacob. Mm -hmm. hmm. And think about it, that he'll grab it again. As if Jacob was saying, even though you born first, nah. It's supposed to be me. Supposed to be me, man. Come on back. <laughs> hey, I'm just saying. Supposed to be. So that blessing went to Jacob. Mm -hmm. And we look at the, the life of Esau and Jacob. Uh, everything Isaac, his father, told Esau to do, he was contrary. Yeah, Don't go there, he went there. Don't take a wife from there, he took a wife from there. <laughs> Jacob, no, was just the opposite. He was very obedient to his father, which, of course, Isaac was obedient to the father. You know, Jacob, his name was changed to Israel, right? The father of the Israelites, hmm, his 12 sons, 12 tribes of Israel, right? God's chosen people. And Esau became the father of the Edomites. Hmm, more than just a thorn with the people of God, right? God's enemy. So you see? All right, so, of course, when... Esau didn't get what he thought he should have. He wanted to kill Jacob, you know? And so that hatred that was set inside of him was so real and it plays out. Let's continue. So it's the connection, right? Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, Jacob, who is the father of the Israelites, right? And Esau, the father of the Edomites, the enemy to God's people. You know, Satan himself. He's the connection. The father of lies. The master of confusion and division. Doing what he does best. Nothing new under the sun, right? But no match for the sun, S-O-N, right? And that's Jesus. Let's fight. Ezekiel chapter 28 verses 12 through 15. God calls out the same spirit in the king of Tyre as being Lucifer and further proves that it was not just the serpent in the garden, but Lucifer himself. And the word says, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyre and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the psalm full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardius, topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle and gold. The workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth and I have set thee so thou wast upon the holy mountain of God thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee so you see the serpent Satan himself has been doing what he's been doing since the very beginning since God's creation has been created and put in the Garden of Eden. Really. Selling his wares. You know, deception, lies, evilness. Working in hand in hand with mankind to do some of the lying wonders that the world has seen. Let's take a closer look at the story of Lucifer. All right. Uh, go to the book of Isaiah, chapter 14, verses 12 through 15. And the word says... How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation and the sides of the north. 
I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Come on now. This grunter, mad, wanna be God. And so, yeah, got kicked out of heaven and just like a little brat. But with power, mind you, I'm going to accept Mark. Come on now, really? That's his nature. Yeah. That's his nature. And so, at any rate, let's continue because we're going to see how he further does this. But let's continue in Colossians. All right. It's going to be out of chapter 1, verse 16 of Colossians. And the word says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Hmm. So it tells you all the things, powers, principalities, all this, they were created. Now there are places, places of power in the spiritual realm. They were created. Let's see what Ephesians, Ephesians rather, says about those powers, principalities, those spiritual places, right? All right. So we're going to Ephesians chapter 1. Verses 20 through 22. And the word says, Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. For above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Okay. Not only is Christ the head of the church, which is us, you know what I mean? The body of Christ. Uh, all those things, principalities, the powers, all these spiritual realms were created and they were put under the feet of Christ. So if we ride with Christ, we have dominion over these things as well through Christ. You know? So let's continue. Let's let's talk, because let's look at Ephesians 6. Tell the foot. See the word says. So in Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to look at verse 12 right now. It says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Okay, so the word is breaking it down. These different versions will say heavenly places, high places, but please understand we're talking about the spiritual realm. All right? So let's look at the story of Daniel. All right. So this is where we get the Daniel fast from. I want to set it before we read what the word says, right? Uh, Daniel fasted for 21 days. This is where we get the Daniel fast from. Uh, Daniel wanted understanding uh, from God, the direction of, of God's people when they were in bondage under Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon, right? And so he prayed to God and, and he fasted, you know, to God while he's praying for direction. This is what so we're going to Daniel chapter 10, verses 12 through 14. And the word says, Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days, for yet the vision is for many days. Man, so look at the power in that, all right? So Daniel started to fast in 21 days now. Mm -hmm. The time that he wanted understanding, he sent his petitions to the Father, right? And in turn, God sent a message, an angel, to give Daniel the word of which he's praying for. But that angel had to fight. He had to fight through spiritual warfare and spiritual realm. Now, that prince of, of Persia, come on now, prince, principalities, you get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Or there may have been a physical prince sitting on a physical throne. What was behind that prince was the principality. And that was an angel. Let's believe a fallen angel. So when he had to fight, he needed help. So Michael came and helped him fight to fight through in that spiritual realm, to push through, to get to Daniel, to give him the word. And the angel told him, right, I was coming the whole time. 
Let's be real. It's not like it took him 21 days. Come on now. We know Andrew can move like that. But it's the fight. So what if Daniel would have gave up? What if he was like, you know what? Ain't no power in this. Prayer for what? It hadn't been answered yet. What's taking so long? Something to be taken from that people. Come on, family. Patience. You know, patience. And stay in that posture of prayer. You know what I mean? God is coming in this time. You don't know. Your prayers are strengthening so much because there are angels mm -hmm. fighting on your behalf. Yeah. But it's like God sent them on your behalf and it's like, you know, you give up. God like, you know what? Hey, come on back. Ye of little faith. Yeah. Matthew chapter 26 verses 51 through 53. And behold, one of them which were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck his servant of the high priest and smote off his ear. Then said Jesus unto him, Put up again thy sword into his place, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? So Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He had just been sold out by Judas. They come for him. He could have stopped it, but no. He stayed the course. He stayed the course for you and I. Those same angels we have been discussing, oh yeah, they was ready to come, and they would have. They was waiting on the word. But just like you and I, sometimes we can have the power to do things, but we must show constraint. Jesus did. Thankful he did. Because he needed to fulfill the prophecy and save us, give us salvation for our sins. Thank you, Jesus. After Jesus was baptized, Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, tells us how he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness and also tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward hungry. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that those stones be made bread. And he answered and said, it is written, Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up to the holy city, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, least at any time thou dashed thy foot against the stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him up into an exceedingly high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them. And he said unto him, All these things I will give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then said Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. So you see, every time Satan came at Jesus, even with the perverted word, or trying to play word play with the word, Jesus stood firm and fought right back with the word. Hmm power in the word. Please know that. Don't get it twisted. Satan knew exactly who Jesus was. Thing is, because Jesus was now in the flesh, battling in the flesh, could he be manipulated in the flesh? Hmm. He tried him, but you see what happened. The word, which is Jesus himself, the living word, always went out no doubt no dice Satan so in verse 11 it tells us then the devil leaveth him and behold angels came and ministered unto him so Jesus stayed the course he held the line 
And in time, the father sent those angels to comfort him. Jesus didn't fold. He held to the word. Satan wasn't happy. Jesus had just been baptized and then led into the wilderness where he fasted. Of course he was hungry. He was tempted, but he didn't give in. Let's take heed to that family. It can be difficult when we are attempting to hold the line, but we can tap into the same source of power to withstand the enemy in time. No matter the hocus pocus, stay focused. So maybe you're saying, but that was Jesus. Of course he has angels, but will angels help me? How will I fight? <laughs> Let's see what the word says. Great news, family. Yes, it's a spiritual warfare, but guess what? We have armor. You see, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and against the evil one. And having done all, stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with the truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation gospel of peace above all taking the shield of faith wherewith you should be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God praying always all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto all perseverance supplication for all saints those six pieces of armor are for protection but please know there are only two weapons that have any effect in spiritual warfare and that's the mighty sword of the word of God and the power of prayer oh yeah send those prayers up saints and watch God do exactly what he promised he would do me and you, and that's fight in the spiritual realm on our behalf. Send those angels first, send those prayers. Let's go. Shaking your boots, Satan. Tick tock, baby. Time is up. We're rolling with the Most High, who has all power in the name of Jesus. You're lesser power. We know order, and so do you. family yeah that was a lot yeah but it was important to deal with that to discuss that to unpack that mm -hmm. because the next episode part two of nothing new under the sun oh boy it's really going to show how mankind has been complicit with the devil himself really but the thing you need to understand is the word says that the rocks will cry to praise god you know he doesn't really need us it's the love of god that includes us by giving us an opportunity to be in the kingdom with Jesus. But you need to know that Lucifer, he needs us. You know what I mean? He was kicked out of heaven. Him and his angels. What are they going to do? Float around the earth and just whatever. Who, who are they going to conspire with themselves? You see, that didn't work out too well. They got kicked out. But oh, when man was created and placed in a garden, hmm, now he has somebody to run that game on. He had already ran the game on the other angels, and, and they bought it. Then he came and he sold the same thing to mankind. And it really factors in. Even today, this coronavirus, all this stuff going on. A lot of people wondering about the Georgia headstones. You know what I mean? All this type of stuff. You know, we're going to unpack it. We're going to start moving now. You know what I mean? But we had to lay the groundwork. So stay with us, family. It's a lot more to be said. A lot mm -hmm. more to discuss. Yeah. This is spiritual warfare. And rest assured that we can fight. You know? Yeah. We have the armor, the full, 
the full armor of God. You know what I mean? Protect yourself, but sometimes you're going to have to chop. And this is how you chop with the word of God. You know what I mean? Put on Jesus. If you look at the full armor, that's Jesus. Righteousness, salvation, peace, peace all that, the word of God, Jesus. It's all Jesus. So put on your Jesus as you go throughout life because that's the only thing that will get you through. Hold tight, family. Hold tight because he's coming back. We're going to ride together. No matter. Yeah. So no matter the hopeless pocus, stay, stay focused. focused. From the greenhouse to, to your, your house. house, we love you.